Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again for today's episode I'm joined by Mike. Hello Mike. Right Anthony, how's it going? I'm very well, thank you. And in today's episode what we're going to talk about is um, the dreaded mainstream media. So we're going to place the mainstream media and specifically the uh, global news networks in the Discerning Consciousness dock as we build a case for their prosecution for their crimes against the ethics and principles of true journalism and uh, principally since the uh, coronavirus outbreak for all their lies and deception that they have um, purported uh, upon um, all of the uh, population of the world because um, I think Mike you'll probably agree that um, since uh, March especially and as I was saying the coronavirus um, what we've seen is a, a massive psychological attack on the population of the world and really this um, kind of meme that's come to the fore I think is very true and that is the idea of the media is the virus. I would totally agree with the um, media is the virus statement. Um, the way the uh, kind of like coercion and the levels of which they've used has definitely risen within the last kind of like 10 to 15 years mm, yeah and because um I, all, I also feel that it's important to just say that for me one of the most important principles of journalism mike is this idea of speaking truth to power and what we've seen throughout the whole coronavirus event is actually really the mainstream media just being the mouthpiece for power i.e government uh yeah, essentially, um, just repeating what they're told to say, mm. um, controlling the narrative and making sure the conversation is always based around the points they want for it. Yeah, and just being repeaters for the for the government narrative and for organisations like the CDC or the World uh, World Health Organisation. So anyway, uh, Mike, I think we'll crack on. And what we're going to do first of all is we're going to look at a historical context in terms of the media and we're going to wing our way back to the dim and distant past when the media was trusted really wow and how long ago was that a long long time ago <laughs> so um the good old bbc or auntie beeb as it was called in the 40s and 50s i believe in the uk yeah funny that uh, it turns out that auntie beeb comment was actually a a, a word of derision before the phrase of derision was it yeah, yeah, yeah so it's actually trying to mock the bbc um these days i would call it the bias broadcasting corporation well, that's one acronym i would use so of course back in the day uh, the bbc was really um a kind of part and parcel of the fabric of um, british society and it was yeah. an institution that we all had kind of like um implacable trust it was seen as as important perhaps as the royal family. I mean, it was a, a symbol of British society, British power in the world. And, you know, anyone that questioned the BBC back until around about the 50s and 60s, obviously it began to change after that. They would almost question their sanity because it was it was held up as an institution that we could put all our trust into. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing about that is when it first started off, I think that BBC was the only channel you well, could get well, on TV. BBC first uh, began in 1926, obviously, as a radio broadcaster. Yep. Yeah. 
But then when TVs came about, um, so you had live image broadcasting, mm. um, I think BBC was the only channel going around before um, ITV it came was. about. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, channel 4, obviously, a bit later in that respect. Mm. But it's interesting to note, like you were saying, about how much the, the public of England trusted the BBC, mm. because... When you're watching something on TV, you see their face, um, you see someone telling you, you're more likely to believe what they say. Mm. Whereas um, it's always been common knowledge in this country, well, as far as I've been alive, that um, don't trust everything you read in the newspaper. So, so even um, way back in the 50s and 60s, when the BBC was still, and all of the mainstream media across the world was still trusted, there was a general distrust of the print media. Well, that's what I've always grown up to to understand, um, and I guess that all comes down to the the print media is always coming up with those catchy clickbait headline titles to try and Catch get people phrases. to buy their newspapers. Mm. But when it comes to the TV, well, that's that's at home in your living room in your in your safe place. You, you're not purchasing that news because you've already paid for it. You're just consuming it. And also, it's important <laughs> to add that. This idea of um, the TV screen being an important and integral part of the British home in this context of the BBC, this relates to the fact that, of course, um, before TV first became commonplace in the 50s and 60s, it was the central focus in the living room or the front room would have been the fireplace. So essentially, people's focus changed from focusing on the fire to the screen. Yes. And, you know, people were... People were, for the first time, obviously, it was all new, like you were saying, Mike, yep. to see people's images on the screen. And it was, um, I know from like my mum's, my parents' generation, when they first had TV in the 50s, it was it's an incredible thing to see moving images. I'll tell time. you what, there is another interesting aspect that leads to the um, trust in the TV person, whatever person it is. Yeah. And that generally comes down to the fact, and I can't remember the exact details on this, but when you're watching TV, it essentially changes the operating mode of your brain. So you're going from like high brain waves to kind of like more lower base brain wave level. Is that why a lot of people fall asleep and yes. find it relaxing? Because you're essentially it turns well, it turns your brain into a, a hypnotic state mm. where you're more likely to believe whatever's being told to you on the TV than you would if you were to say read it in the newspaper. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So in terms of American context, because uh, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of loyal listeners, big out shout to our listeners in the States, in the United States. But you can go back as far as the 1940s in terms of propaganda and control of the media with um, Operation Mockingbird. That's where the CIA infiltrated the mainstream media in America. So it's not a recent phenomena, is it? Sub subversion of, of, of the mainstream media, Mike? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about worldwide, um, we normally associate propaganda with um, the stuff that Nazi Germany was coming out with, or even um, communist Russia, mm. and now communist China. So we normally associate propaganda with these kind of countries. But it turns out propaganda has been used worldwide in most countries around the world to um, manipulate the, the mindsets of the populace of that country. The public perception. And just a heads up, Mike, for our listeners, uh, we did a really good in-depth issue, uh, episode, I should say, uh, about four years ago on propaganda. I've put the link in the description. So please do check that out, guys. Uh, it's an interesting explanation of uh, propaganda, and we talk more at length about 
um, Edward Bernays. So obviously, uh, as I was saying with um, Operation Mockingbird, from the very uh, early stages of the mainstream media and this high idea of the importance of shaping the message in order to shape public perception, the authorities, the government and their intelligence agencies have been very keen to put out um, a very specific type of message, haven't they? Yeah, um, so the whole thing about Mockingbird, it wasn't just getting a certain message to the news corporation so they could repeat that message. So it wasn't just about news networks? No, this was actually um, the control of the whole media insight. Mm -hmm. So they were actually putting operatives into film studios, into TV channels, into everything. So it was all of the media. Yes, to essentially control the whole message. Mm -hmm. Because even if the news is saying one thing, but if all the films and TV shows are kind of like saying the opposite, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to go with the films and TV shows. So they have to control that too, to get everything on board to be the same singular message. And from the brief amount of research I did, Mike, it says that the uh, Operation Mockingbird officially ended, in inverted commas, in the 70s. But of course, the ethos and the principles underpinning that kind of programme would have then just set seeped out throughout all of media. Well, notice about technical terms. They could have well have ended Operation Mockingbird, come up with a new programme and just gave it a different name. <laughs> Well, that would have been very much in keeping with the, the media. Yes. But this actually kind of like links in quite heavily to what's known as neuro-linguistic programming. Right. So it's something that psychologists found out was the most effective and concise way of um, delivering information in a way that you can actually subvert, hide or get people to agree to something without them knowing even what they're agreeing to. Right. Um, this, these techniques are heavily used within the sales industry to get to people to buy more than they really want. So is that why we've seen, and we'll go um, in more detail in a moment, Mike, in terms of the coronavirus and the media's coverage of that, but we've seen phrases um, like build back better through these globalist puppets. We've seen hands, face, space. So they use these kind of alliterations and short, snappy faces to phrases to imprint that in the public's mind. Yes, definitely. And, and then also then what you find is that people just become repeaters of that to their friends and family and social circles. Yeah, exactly. It's um, turning the the prisoners into their own sheepdogs to make sure the other prisoners stay in line. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch upon Edward Bernays. We won't go into too much details, but I believe you've got an interesting um, factual story about how um, they were using his techniques in the media to get women um, kind of like, because up to a, a certain period in the Western world, Women weren't um, seen as it wasn't okay for women to smoke. It wasn't popular, I should say, amongst women to smoke. So what happened in terms of the media to shift that perception? Right. So Edward Bernays, um, just to say, was the grandfather of modern propaganda in sales techniques. self-entitled book from the 1920s. Actually was um, the nephew to... um... Freud. Yep. Yeah. Um, So he used all the psychological knowledge that Freud had worked out and applied it to to sales. Yeah. Um, so what he found out is like, well, you got given a task to go, I need you to make sure that the other half of the population can smoke cigarettes so we can double our um, money we're making. So obviously the tobacco companies wanted to increase their market share. Yeah, because they found that only men were smoking and they could double their profits if they got women into smoking. Yeah. Only problem is at the time, women smoking a cigarette was not just seen as uncouth and 
bad, it was seen as, um, how dare you be trying to do something manly so like that. So it was seen as unfeminine, essentially. Yeah. Um, so instead of actually studying, running ad campaigns to try and convince women to smoke, mm. he did something far better which was no longer advertising, but it actually became news. Right. And in news became the advert. Right. Um, so what he did is he knew that there was a big um, kind of like parade going on. He actually invited and paid a lot of women to smoke cigarettes in this parade. Yeah. Got them to see it as a feminist movement of sticks of freedom, they called it. Sticks of freedom. So like part of the emancipation movement. Essentially. Um, and then he just invited, well, he phoned up lots of um, news organisations yeah. and said, I've heard rumours that there's going to be women smoking at this um, Which was parade. a great controversy. Yep. So all these news organisations turned up, witnessed these women smoking, and collectively um, all dropped their jaws in surprise about, oh my God, how can this happen? Mm. To the point that just the event itself was a newsworthy story. So they weren't trying to force it on. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't fake news? No, but it had been set up in a way to be a news sure. story yeah. in the first place just to promote um, women smoking. And mm. um, off the backs of that, um, that's what got women smoking in the mainstream. And of course, that's set a very, very early trend for what we see in modern uh, modern mainstream media, certainly news reporting, whereby you do have, like you're saying, news stories just set up to indirectly, shall we say, promote certain products or certain movements or certain ideologies or certain ways of thinking. Exactly. I mean, um, one that I heard about recently was the um, so car insurance company going, oh, we haven't got enough people renewing with us. Um, do you know what's a great idea? If we pay the mainstream media to put out a news story about everyone's got really bad car insurance for their cars, you know, and they're not got the well, right You mean stuff. they haven't got sufficient cover? And... Yeah, 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 yeah. So it just makes you think about your car insurance and then you're more likely to um, renew your car insurance with um, someone else mm. based on the fact that you've read that news story, mm. which is essentially an advert now. So we can, uh, perhaps we can see then that this compromising, because what we're talking about here is essentially is the way in which news values right which should be about reporting the truth and as i said earlier Used about <laughs> yeah about speaking truth to power so that the viewers can actually get the truth that's been compromised from many many decades ago oh heavily i mean one thing you were saying about that mockingbird story about how the u.s government was essentially controlling and propagandizing to its own people yeah Nowadays, I don't think it's even got an official name. No, or a because program. it's already part of the culture of those organisations. Yes. So, um, not conspiracy. You can see um, videos online about, say, a hundred different news networks in America repeating the same story mm. all across America. Yeah. And it turns out that that story was actually given to them by the US government. Yeah. But there is no legal incentive um, or need for the news corporations to go this was paid for by the US government or anything like that. They and, just put it out there as it's their news story. And this links into something I just want to touch upon, and that's the mainstream media's treatment of Trump um, since he was elected um, in 2016. During, so what we've seen during the last four years is very interesting because normally the mainstream media will not personally criticise political leaders. So they will say, well they might have uh, an issue with the information that they're sharing 
they might say that um, there's holes in the information that this uh, political leader is sharing. But since Trump became uh, the um, president in the United States, all of their attacks have been uh, personal. And it's like the fact that they don't like him as a man means that they don't even proper analyze the message that he, uh, he, he is he's sharing. Well, like I said, the whole thing with the mainstream media is to control the narrative and can just control the discussion. Yeah. Same thing happened over here when um, it was Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. So the mainstream media just completely destroyed his character in the mainstream. Yeah. But the fact is everything they were saying about him was complete lies and conjecture. Sure. To the point where they were making out to be a racist and a sexist. And it turns out the guy he was running against, Boris Johnson, was the racist and sexist guy. And also with Jeremy Corbyn. Far from you know being anti-Semitic, he's throughout his whole life he's, you know he's fought for um, you know anti-racist movements and things like that. So it's I always found it curious. I'm no supporter of him as I am no politician, but that is another good example. I just want to add, Mike, furthermore on this treatment of Trump is that so what we often have now is that before it would have been. A matter of opinion so you know with politics it's all about opinion right? oh god it's yeah. all about opinions but trump is often <coughs> um accused of lying and there's been um the mainstream media has accused him of lying and there's been a a, a concerted effort to discredit him at every at every turn now we've seen all of um the mainstream media news channels networks uh, across america and in the uk like bbc itv sky and channel 5 and all of these networks, they have the same, they repeat the same thing. Trump's an idiot. Trump's a madman. Uh, Trump's power crazy. So again, like you were talking about before, before in terms of news values, that is the common news value. It's not a conspiracy that they're conspiring against Trump. That is the accepted news value, if you, if you will. So they don't even give him, they don't even give him a proper platform to speak. They don't even... Uh, properly scrutinise his words and the problem is we saw with Blair and Bush you know war criminals even after the 2003 Iraq war when it was proven that Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction before the war he went through UN uh, official channels he allowed in ex inspectors and the inspectors were, were shown that he'd um, got rid of all his um, chemical weapons or you know uh, chemicals that could be used for weapons, if you yep. like, but they weren't ever accused of being liars. Do you see what I mean? How he's had, he's been unique in terms of the media actually accusing him of being a liar, whereas Blair and Bush were were actually proven liars. It wasn't hearsay or opinion; they were liars. Well, this is the thing um, where the mainstream media is essentially controlled by business interests. Yeah. Which also tend to control the um, the the governments themselves and the government spokespeople. Yeah. You tend to find whoever's with that movement and with that control system yeah. gets a positive review, no matter what they say or do. Yeah. Um, for example, with the whole weapons of mass destruction, they just came out and go, sorry, it was faulty intelligence. Yeah. Suddenly, it wasn't their problem. They were going on the best they knew. It was someone else's problem. But suddenly, if it's someone who's not with the kind of like political agenda, who's trying to go against it, suddenly, even if they do something right, the mainstream media report it that they've done it wrong and they've messed up. And 
you know, no matter how good they do, they'll still be made up to look like dirt. So that's why they've essentially, since day one, they've been critical of Trump because he's, he's, as we've said a lot on discerning consciousness, but it's worth repeating. Whatever you think of Trump, he is not a globalist puppet. He is not going along with the um, various agendas, be it on political correctness, be it on climate change, be it on wanting to start illegal wars all over the place. Not that many wars have ever been uh, legal, shall we say. Yeah, so I that's why the, that phrase the, is very strange and an odd yeah. self, isn't it? It's very odd. But basically, yeah, in summation, that's why they've they've um, you know they've been gunning from him from day one because he's not. He is not a puppet. He is not playing to the globalist tune. And uh, I just hope in the coming weeks when we do have hopefully the election reveal, reveal the grand reveal, and he is proven to have won, they're going to have to eat a lot of humble pie in the mainstream media because they are going to be discredited like never before, are they? Well, to be honest, because they're the ones that control the message, I reckon they're going to do what they've always done. They're still going to weasel out of it, are they? Yeah. It's easy and obvious where they just... Turn around and go, sorry, we were given wrong information. So, so we're back to the wrong intel again, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, it's literally passing the buck. Because yeah. whenever the bad people do wrong, sorry, it wasn't our problem, it was someone else who gave us the false information. Sure. And then suddenly, when it is they do right, it's like, well, we'll take all the credit because it was us that did that. Yeah, we'll see. Now, I want to bring us back, Mike, to this idea of news values being compromised because of corporate and business interests. Now, we always yep. like to give cultural references on discerning consciousness because it helps to contextualise things. Yeah, definitely. So there's a great film, I think it came out in 1976, called um, Network. And this is the story, uh, probably a lot of our listeners have seen this film. Brilliant film, where you've got the main news anchor called Howard Bill, and he literally... He has like a dark night of the soul, doesn't he? Whereby his whole world collapses. He basically has a breakdown on air. Yeah, because they try and fire him or something, don't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, and he has all of these problems going on in his personal life with his wife and all the rest of it. And literally, as I say on air, he, he, they, they, I think they eventually, they take him off air because he goes on and he basically reports the truth of how society operates. Yeah. All the lies, all the deception. And they're like, cut but then they bring him back don't they and then they create this special show called the howard bill show oh only because it got more views than any of their shows had ever before so they were like actually we're chasing the numbers that guy got the numbers and i always remember it because having a, like both of us an interest in the spiritual as well as the whole conspiracy conspiracy he has someone on there who's like a mystic meg kind of uh, character and she's like a soothsayer and she's one predicting the future that's just one of the guests that he has on but of course we won't spoil what in case uh, we won't spoil it for our listeners what happens at the end but anyway the point is at various um points in the movie it very clearly indicates to the viewer how much even in the mid 70s the message being broadcast from this news network was completely compromised by uh, the corporate interest and the corporate values and and yeah. this you know we're talking 45 years ago so can you imagine how sophisticated that process is yeah now? so i'm pretty sure that film was actually made on the basis of corporate interest starting taking control yeah. and conglomerizing news networks oh, good word yeah because there's a stage there's one very famous scene where one of the executives for the the news corporation that Howard Bill works for takes him into a boardroom and basically has a conversation with Howard Bill about how the world really works. And it's like, 
There are no nations. Yeah. There are only corporations. A bit like that famous scene from They Live, which we've covered in a previous episode, when the guy, the business guy, you know, he shows them there's this conference going on and he's talking about the profits, the projected profits. And we, we next year, we project, you know, to be earning this amount of profit from our... Um, our investments and it shows you again there are no borders there are no countries and it's no. the same conversation that this corporate exec has with howard bill and it's like i say you know that's 45 years ago now what you'll find these days is through these conglomerations and connectedness yeah. is that um i think there's only about five or six media companies in existence now right and they essentially own everything that we see, yeah. but we just don't know they're owned by them. Yeah. Um, and that's why we think we've got a lot of choice when it comes to where do we get our news from, which magazines do we read. They're all owned by six corporations. So you've got six different corporate interests mm. that are being promoted around the world. Mm. Um, and that's it. Mm. Um, and that's because it's all about chasing that pure hard cash and the advertising numbers. Well, the, the bottom line is is always about creating revenue, advertising revenue, which obviously um, that is going to compromise the news values in and of itself because yeah. they, in that instance, they're not going to report stories that in any way affect um, the kind of or are going to endanger the profit levels of those companies that give money to these um huge uh, news networks yeah. that's the trouble that we have i mean just to give you guys a simple example of something like this is that um companies chasing the money will be like um mtv yeah and another great example is the discovery channel yeah so mtv started out producing uh, just putting on um your music videos yeah loved it to bits when i was younger in the 90s but as the 2000s came around, it started to be more about um, putting on reality TV shows. Yeah. And nowadays, I'm not even sure they have music on MTV or not. Does it still exist? I'm not sure. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one that was a very big disappointment for me was the Discovery Channel. Yeah. As a kid growing up in the 90s, absolutely loved it. Documentaries on there, watched every night. And then suddenly that did the same thing. They started promoting um, reality TV shows. Mm. Started with Ice Road Truckers. Um, the last thing I think I saw on there was um, some Gold Rush thing or something. Mm. But anyway, the fact that you could ever find a documentary on the Discovery Channel now is almost laughable. Yeah, and it's an important point to make that historically we've obviously um, spoken about how news values have been compromised historically and uh, the interests of advertisers in the corporate world have come to the fore and what they've done is diminish the abilities of these networks to actually promote or broadcast truth. Back in the day, there was no alternative media. So, you know, unless people did their own research in dusty old libraries, people couldn't find the truth. So that's why now um, the mainstream media are they're really concerned because a they're losing a lot of viewers so they're losing a lot of advertising revenue and b more and more people are turning to alternative news sources online so well, really they are yeah no it's not surprising but really they are on borrowed time i would say because uh, unless they change and i just don't think they will because they're so ingrained with with telling lies deception propaganda and like you were saying using nlp techniques 
it's part of their DNA almost. It's it, it's yeah. part of the culture of the mainstream media and these news networks. And I just can't see them changing. Can you see them morphing and changing at all? See, the only thing I can see happening is um, it's take Disney for example. Yeah. So Disney was all about the woke agenda. Yeah. Because um, they were promoting that heavily. And then suddenly um, the phrase that was going around was go woke, get broke. Yeah. Suddenly Disney started realising, oh, we're losing money by trying to get woke. So then they, I've um, heard news about, they put out a, um, a memo to everyone in the company and said, right, now this company is only focused on making money. We don't care about trying to be woke or trying to be this or trying to be this. We are literally just in this for the cold, hard cash. Yeah. And that just shows that um, because at the end of the day, only the thing companies care about is money, is if you hit them where it hurts, yeah. then they'll change. Right. If you're not hitting them where it hurts, they won't. Yeah. Now, the only other way you could uh, see a big change within the mainstream media as a whole is if regulators come around and said, um, actually, these six media companies that essentially own the world, um, this is too much it's too close to a monopoly situation you guys have too much power to break, and literally up break them up yeah i mean that we could see that happen um but you know i don't really have much faith to be honest nor do i i'm just talking possibilities right <laughs> yeah, now <laughs> absolutely so i think we'll move on now mike and look specifically as we said earlier we would in terms of the coronavirus and the media's coverage i want to focus on initially uh, two main areas and that's the way in which uh, the mainstream media have um, massaged the figures in terms of the death rates oh yeah um, so basically this information that I'm sharing to our listeners relates to uh, actually comes from the CDC uh, and it relates to something that was on their website on August the 20th 26th this year so data shows that 94% of people who had died during COVID in the United States died with the virus, in inverted commas, yeah. not from the virus. So only 6% had COVID-19 listed as the sole cause of death on the death certificate. So the real death toll, those who died as a direct result just of COVID, was only 10,000 as of August the 26th. So oh, not too bad. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID, on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or cause, causes of death. Now, the mainstream media continue to report, you see it on the ticker tape, on the CNN, CNBC, uh, all the American networks, obviously, because it's the way in which they can bash Trump by saying he hasn't properly managed the uh, pandemic. So they keep saying now that over 200,000 people have died in the States, which, of course, they're using to ramp up the fear and to give justification for government lockdowns and other measures limiting uh, people's freedom within the United States. But that's a big difference, isn't it? 10,000 to 200,000, because 10,000 is not even going to touch seasonal flu in the States. No, I mean, what was it? Seasonal flu in the UK hits numbers around 40,000. But it's quite interesting how you say that. There's a lot of information um, given to you by the mainstream well, media. Well, that's, that's on But the... it's given in a way that they heavily imply this is what they mean. Mm. But they never specifically say that is what they so mean. So, I mean, what they've done is, um, for many decades, 
It's a case of the news networks, they simplify the message, don't they? Yeah, they simplify it to a point that you actually lose detail in what they say. Mm. Um, normally to the point, whenever I hear something from the mainstream media, I tend to have about 20 questions just from that one statement. Um, would you think that's why a lot of people are turning off and choosing uh, alternatives online? Yes, um, this has been a, something that's been happening over the years where we're just fed up with hearing the same BS from the same mouthpieces, mm. um, repeating the same things, or, depending on what day it is, um, reporting the opposite. You know, one day it's a good thing, next day it's a bad thing. And of course, um, with this, the way in which the news networks manipulate the figures, the death rate in the United States in this instance, you know, it's only because the media, the mainstream media, have the vehicle and the, the way of all to do this that people are believing the government, that there is a deadly uh, pandemic. Well, only idiots believe in the government. But um, what I would say is, like, take England as an example right now. Um, in the mainstream media, we get the reports of, this is how many people have died from COVID. But then it actually says... Um, deaths within 28 days of a positive test. Yeah, they add that rider, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and literally there has been examples where someone has tested positive for COVID-19, um, but got a, around his daily business, and kind of like nearly a month later got hit by a bus, but still got recorded down as a COVID-19 <laughs> death. But then again, that is a kind of like out there kind of like almost slightly funny story about how ridiculous it gets mm. but if you go back to the original part of this um covid19 outbreak um so we're talking about january march. february march time yeah. then it was a case of the doctor just had to suspect it could have been covid19 right and they could write it down as the reason for death that's ridiculous so literally it comes to the point that the very rules that the doctors were told to follow mm. made it look like it was worse than it really was so it's not just so it's not just the way in which the uh news networks mainstream media imprint a false message upon the general population around the world that then almost becomes policy as well. Yes, government policy. Yeah. And then you realise that um, it's the government policy that is deciding um, what the media can say. Yeah. It's government-controlled scientists that get to go onto the media to talk their mouthpiece style. Yeah. Um, and anyone else who comes on and starts saying something else, especially at the moment, the big thing is censorship. Don't yeah. let them say their piece. So, yeah, the interesting thing is also what you get is the mainstream media will say we need to trust the science or, you know, we need to follow the science. What they mean really is we need to follow or trust scientists sponsored by government. Yes. Because science is not a uniform thing as such, is it? Uh, so I like to think of myself as a bit of a scientist um, in terms of like the approach I use to figure things out. Yeah. But the problem is within the main, the public on large, they have a very big distrust of science based on what they see in the media. Yeah. Well, growing up, the first thing is most people think just science is hard. A lot of stuff there. Can't I always thought of the science guy from the Muppets. But... <laughs> so anyway, 
you move that forward now to the fact that you're an adult, you're getting on with your life, and all you read in newspapers is science says this causes cancer. Next day, scientists say that doesn't cause cancer. One day, cancer. red wine's good for heart disease, the next day, it's really bad for your heart. So, we get conflicting reports like this from, and again, this is always in the news that we hear about this from, because yeah. none of us actually go around and actually read the, the official scientific we don't paper. Don't generally that read The Lancet, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and another example is um, scientists may say one thing, and then because the media, um, the guy who's reporting on it doesn't actually understand what the scientist says, yeah. totally misreports the story, yeah. and then people like me have to come out and go, no, 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 that's BS, for them to go, no, but the newspaper said yeah. it, and you're like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you're kind of like have a special field where things get misreported anyway it's easy for you to see how much bs goes on within the news mm, yeah um so that dis natural distrust of science um is something that reverberates within the public quite a lot and for good reason probably yeah yeah and then you get um the government control scientists saying one thing and then actual scientists and people who are on the front lines going no 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 that's bs this is how it's like Suddenly, those people, the true scientists, get called conspiracy well, theorists. Well, they get marginalised, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was it? That doctor who, um, the German doctor, who came to speak in a public protest here in England. In London, yeah. Got arrested because he was going to say his piece. I know. Yeah, he spent a night in prison. That was not a very, way, not a, not a very nice way to treat a visitor to these shores. But then again, that just shows you the level they're going to to try and control the level of discussion. Because yeah. if it's controlled by what the mainstream media is touting, you can shut it down. But if you suddenly have someone who's a proper scientist going proper intellectual arguments about actually this is why what they say is wrong, yeah, suddenly they never that, they never allow that. Yeah, that has to be stamped out. Um, like if you're actually on the news and start mentioning stuff like this you might just get cut off or sorry the, the line's gone dead we have to go to the next one this is the level what it is now um and it's only going to get worse over the years unfortunately so something mike that's important to cover with regards to the way in which the mainstream me media have covered covid19 or the dreaded coronavirus is um, from the summer here in the UK, the virus pretty much died out, didn't we? In yes. the daily cases uh, and across the world in other countries as well. But primarily here in the UK, literally we had some days where there were no deaths at all because we were in the summer and yep. we were out of flu season. Yep. Um, what you'll find is the sun helps kill viruses. Generally, yeah. Helpful UV rays coming from the sun tend to do that. Um, so what was the advice the government scientists told us to do? Stay inside. So what we had from the autumn onwards, uh, Mike, when we had the beginning of flu season, funny enough, we had the mainstream media pushing what has become known um, on channels like the Corbett Report, this idea of a case-demic. So we yes. moved from a pandemic to a case-demic. I'll just explain what that means. So generally, uh, in medical parlance, a case equals a medical term for a patient with a symptomatic type of infection. In other words, they're eliciting symptoms. Now, most cases, as we know, uh, of coronavirus or COVID-19, people are asymptomatic. They have no symptoms, they're healthy, and they have no symptoms at all, as I was saying. So what happens is certain words like case uh, can be manipulated, uh, are manipulated in order to give the impression that COVID is a deadly virus. 
when all the evidence indicates that that's simply not the truth is not the truth so what we had was an emphasis on the media promoting the idea of deaths from covid to cases and then at the same time in the uk they massively increased in testing so what did we have more cases yeah um it was interesting yeah how it went from look at how many people are dying you don't want to kill your auntie or your your granny or something like that yeah um with all the deaths and then suddenly because the deaths almost went to zero like you said yeah. suddenly they had to switch focus and focus on the number of cases also happened to be when mass testing came in and by the way for anyone who actually knows anything about science knows that mass testing with a test that had a false positive rate almost through the roof mm. meant that it doesn't matter how many people you're going to test you're going to increase the the case numbers um just on the statistics alone mm. problem is though they're touting the fact that this is a deadly virus um so deadly in fact that you can only find out if you've got it if you get tested yeah. and the advice for getting a positive test isn't seek a med immediate medical attention yeah it's just stay at home for the next two weeks <laughs> and of course the media always fail to point out that the test includes testing for antibodies or pieces of viral dna because as we know it's not actually just testing for the covid virus. oh yeah that pcr test was so rubbish i mean anyone with some science background could break it apart in the fact that a it's not even testing for the right thing um it could even just test to the fact that you've had it in the past and you've recovered from it it could just be testing the fact that you've got the flu virus or the cold virus in your system at the moment but you're not getting any symptoms so of it yeah, thank but you. But actually, thank there's you. a second step that um, also yeah. people mention is the fact that they take these samples and then they try and amplify it um, 45 times, yeah. um, which is ridiculous because it's to the point where you can almost test positive for anything if you amplify it 45 times. Mm. Like someone actually tested a glass of Coke and found that to be COVID-19 positive. I saw that positive. recently. Yeah, and just to add to your points Mike of course within the mainstream media anyone who attempts to highlight you know what we're talking about which I think are quite easy anomalies and indiscrepancies that we're pointing out they get called a coronavirus delta and you know that's why I believe many um, eminent doctors and scientists are afraid to speak out or they can only do it on alternative platforms uh, you know well, on, on social media until they get fired or until they get until they get censored so what you get overall, and this is a key theme from today's episode, is the importance of the mainstream media in terms of transmitting a completely uniform message. And as I was saying before, we need to trust the science. And as I was saying before, what does the science say? So you can't have one siren voice on there because the whole message breaks down, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and since they're controlling the narrative, like we're saying, mm. they essentially make sure that everyone on TV is following the uh, the songbook. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that um, anyone who says anything against the message mm. has to be destroyed. Mm. And so the best way they can do it is make them look ridiculous. So if you have legitimate questions about the vaccine and you don't trust it's um, the fact that it's got no safety record to it yet, that it hasn't been through safety trials or the data hasn't been fully analysed, then suddenly you're an anti-vaxxer. You're a COVID denier. 
and the COVID deniers. No, COVID deniers are people that have questions about the PCR test or the right. fact that That's you... That's how they label them. Yeah, if you mm. have questions about the PCR test, if you have questions about testing um, asymptomatic people or the fact that asymptomatic people don't actually pass it on to anyone, suddenly you're a COVID denier. So it's whatever thing you talk about and have legitimate they, questions about, they take the opposite view and go, well, you must be that then. They've got a, that's how they shut down discussion. And in this way, I think it's important to say that the mainstream media now is so discredited. They have destroyed any remaining elements of free speech, Mike. And I do agree, you know, with our tagline, the media is the virus. And yep. I know on discerning consciousness we attempt to give a discerning view, not to ping to the extreme. But I think, um, I don't think, I know that in this instance, you know, the, the mainstream media really, as we're holding them up in a, in a court, presenting evidence, they are guilty as hell. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's not just mainstream media when it comes to them being guilty as hell. Yeah. Um, also, I'd uh, like to mention quickly the fact that social media is jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. Because they are not only um, censoring anything that could possibly say the opposite of what's going on, mm. um, they are literally stopping people from even um, commenting on stuff. Mm. Um, so you, they might ban your account for a month so you can't talk about it mm. um, if you've said something that uh, they don't like on you know a science or a political post suddenly yeah let's remove you so that heavy censorship is going on for anyone who is trying to say something different in social media let alone the mainstream media absolutely and um, in the last part of our discussion Mike I just want to bring in this whole aspect so we've spoken about how the media uh, manipulates data and doesn't properly scrutinize it in order to promote this idea that we're in the midst of a deadly pandemic that's killing lots and lots of people when all the evidence suggests otherwise and why they've shifted from focusing on deaths to cases i just want to look at how way back at the very beginning that was when we had the real onslaught of propaganda and it was very much uh, i remember watching sky news at the outset and we had these images on sky news of um, like a morgue or a mortuary in northern Italy, not far actually from where my dad's family cut hail from, uh, God rest his soul. Um, and there was these still images of all these coffins laid out and it came to light, didn't it, within days in the alt media that these images had been used before for other news stories. Yes. Um, so this is actually a common tactic within uh, mainstream media news is whenever they're picking an image from it they don't care if it's um, you know the right image to use or not all they care about it is will it help sell more papers will it help get the story along better or will it, in this instance will it create maximum fear yeah because um, that's one thing we haven't really mentioned so far yet is the whole fact that um, the message from the media essentially has been fear, 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 yeah. ever since this half started in March, or even before then. Yeah. And the fact is, when the human populace is in a fear state, yeah. on, on the whole, we're more easy to control. Mm. We're more likely to give our power away, as long as we feel like we're being protected. And our minds and our brains are much more suggestible, much more likely to fall prey to NLP, to fall play, prey to propaganda and that was the point i was trying to make in that 
that's why the, the the maximum amount of fear and propaganda and visual imagery, shocking imagery, like we saw in China where people yeah. are log- allegedly dropping dead. That well, was, I think they were false now, don't it you did, think? Yeah, well, people collapsing with arms right next to their bodies. Very strange, quite skillful thing to do. I'll tell you what, another image that I saw was absolutely amazing. Um, I think the same image actually came from an Italy hospital and an American hospital. Same image used for both. Mm. And the funniest thing was, every single patient in a bed was a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I, as I was saying... It was at the outset that that set the tone. Yes. That set the tone for the fear. And I remember thinking, holy, holy hell, this looks dangerous. It was only then through going to my established kind of alternative news sources, shall we say, it's no, this is just the typical kind of globalist playbook promoting fear. But even I initially fell, fell kind of into the fear. I was thinking, oh, God, maybe this really is before I did my own research. Well, I have to admit, um, because of all these um, evils and bad things about the mainstream media um, and the kind of like the destruction of quality of TV in general, I stopped watching mainstream TV a long time ago, um, almost about five or ten years now. Um, And it was a case that when this first came about I was actually in front of the news with my parents you know watching it as well going oh my god what could happen next yeah because something new interesting you're not sure what's going on you do want to find well, out you reserve judgment yeah. yeah um yeah so I was a bit worried to begin with national lockdown put on okay and this is a bit odd interesting where is this going and it wasn't until like um about a month in that the data started to kind of like show what's really going on because initial data you can never really tell properly it started to look like well actually why is everyone making a big deal of this like the numbers don't lie that they're, they're telling a very a very consistent story on the number of people actually dying mm. um to the point where you're like well if the numbers look okay in the pure numbers and then you find out most of those numbers are actually inflated to make it look worse then you start going oh we don't have to worry about that then. Mm. Unfortunately, no one actually looks at this in a scientific, analytic view, and they just think fear, 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 and start panicking. I just also um, want to mention the fact of the importance of visuals in terms of the mainstream media's presentation of the coronavirus. So back in the summer, I remember watching Sky News, and they were broadcasting from a crematorium in Mexico, and there was these um, grey smoke coming from a crematorium, and they were saying they used they were trying to invoke the Holocaust. So they said the fires, they never stop burning. So then it came to light that um, one of my favorite YouTubers who is now on BitChute because he got banned. Anyway, the dollar vigilante, he, he actually because he lives in Mexico, um, he went along there and he established that actually that the um the crematorium was empty there weren't even any bodies waiting to be burned now again it just reminded me of how the medium is the message and how how important the visuals are and in that instance invoking the fear around something like the holocaust yeah they are literally just making up whatever they want to sell the message they don't care whether it's true or not Mm. um the people who are doing it get paid either way so that whatever Um, so we do get like flat out lied to to help 
fluff the story it's not and just make subversion. it worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is flat out lies sometimes. Um, and the fact is, we just buy it up because we don't know any better. But I've heard a lot of instances when their new story is the hospitals are crowded, they're to max capacity. And then some YouTuber goes, oh, okay, and I'll record myself walking into this hospital. Suddenly, no one's there. And any hospital staff that are there are suddenly like, no, you can't pee here. You have to get out. Oh, why? Um, because you just of, have to get out. Yeah. Or, or what we also see is just people quite simply going to outpatient appointments uh, to hospitals, Mike, in the UK. They just take their um, camera, empty seats, empty seats, empty hospitals. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the hospital. It doesn't require as much. It doesn't require much investigating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the problem is, um, investigating requires effort and to do something. Mm. Uh, most people are like, "Well, I can't be bothering this. I, I'm getting on with my own life." Well, mm. what they can get on with, considering lockdowns and all that BS. Mm. Um, but yeah, they don't want to have to go through all that effort of doing their own research. Yeah, and the important thing again is to mention the fact that from the outset, the message being relayed not just here in the UK, but across the world, was about hospitals being overloaded with patients uh, of this deadly virus. So that's locked into the public's consciousness or mind. Yes. So unless they see evidence to the contrary, unless they actually go into a hospital, they stick with that perception. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I saw some um, charts and numbers recently about how um, even though it was sold to us that um, they were up to capacity on their... Um, kind of like intensive care beds yeah what they didn't actually state is that well actually uh, only two out of those 10 were actually for covid the other people in the intensive care beds were for other reasons yeah so um i think we'll round things up now for this episode uh mike and uh just have a little bit of a, a summary and a little bit of a roundup and also as always on discerning consciousness um, leave our listeners on a positive note. So, yeah, they'll try. <laughs> yeah, so it's important. I mean, I'm sure they're all very, very much aware of this idea of the media is the virus. But what we've shared in today's uh, video, or I should say uh, audio, is that um, we've discovered that the mainstream media and specifically the, the, the uh, news outlets, they are not fit for purpose because over many decades as we've given uh, numerous examples of, they've become compromised by corporate and business interests. Heavily. Heavily. And what this means is that they have no capacity to report the truth. Now all they've essentially become is repeaters of government messages. They do not uh, scrutinise government messages. And the fact is that they also now... Um, they are essentially nothing more than intelligence operatives of the government, which yeah, which pretty... people have said for, for, for many decades. And some researchers have said that was the, actually the real true founding principle of the BBC back in 1926, that it was set up by intelligence, BBC, um, government intelligence. And it was never about actually informing the public. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Or the guise was to inform the public and then the real pursuit was to be able to control how they thought. Yeah, and, and to control the perception. So do you have any uh, um, closing words for our listeners? Mike? 
Well, I would say um, throughout this episode, we've hopefully um, shown how mainstream media, like you were saying, has been subverted and controlled for a very long time. The only thing I would say is over the years, um, the methods that they use have been more and more obvious to spot. Mm. Um, so anyone who has eyes to see knows what's truly going on just based on the words they use. Um, I would definitely suggest to, if you don't know already, and learn about what's known as neural linguistic programming, mm. because once you've learned about that subject, you'll be able to spot more easily the lies and deception that the media use. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the most effective way to stop the virus of the mainstream media is to turn off your TV and stop watching it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only times I ever tune in are very briefly for research purposes, just to see what message is uh, being put out there. And also, lastly on this, Mike, I'd just like to add, in addition to the Film Network, which all our um, uh, listeners should check out, uh, on this issue also obviously of course wag the dog is oh yeah fantastic um, film. film basically showing how um you can pretty much wrap up any news story however you want um to make anything believable by the public true or not you can basically create fake walls yeah that are just cooked up in a studio so just finally uh before we finish as always uh folks the links to my social media can be found in the description for this episode so please do check that out also um it would be great if you could um share the message that we're trying to spread here at discerning consciousness uh and if that if you are able to share um discerning consciousness on your own social media platforms um that would be great wouldn't it mike yeah imagine if the message of stop watching the mainstream media got round to everyone we all turned off our tvs just think, think of how much disruption that would give to the control system just by doing that one simple thing yeah that's a very good point to leave on so thank you mike uh for joining us for today's show been very interesting it's good to talk about a very prescient issue yeah i mean it's interesting to note actually that this episode is essentially talking about the very reason why we have our quote at the end of the show yeah, absolutely yeah so um thank you all for listening i hope you've enjoyed today's show and as mike was alluding to True. we'll we'll leave you with these uh, very uh, important and relevant words at this time remember folks if you're not in control of your consciousness than someone else's. Bye for now.